I am recording. Better first time. Oh, look, I show you. I show the charge. The charge. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my Did Don't you... break your computer. Um, That's cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is the one on the left, your artwork, right? This one. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and I would I fall for it. God, that would have been awful. Like I destroy two of the most expensive things I own in one. Well, you didn't. It's all fine. We're fine. Yeah. Um Okay. Should should we begin? Yeah. Two friends just <clears throat> made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Hello and welcome back to uh, the greatest podcast in the universe. You are joining us on our 72nd episode, meaning we only have um, 48 to go until the big 120, which is exciting. Um, And today we are doing a special extended review of one of the best shows to hit Netflix last year, Midnight Mass. So um, there will be spoilers galore when we get to that. So do be, be 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 prepared. You can go and watch it if you haven't watched it, or you can listen to us talk about it, and it will still be worth watching it, Definitely. even if you know what happens. Um, but before that, we'll have all our usual culture catch up and my tube, etc. And we will be led through all of that by me, your host George, and my co-host, whose name is Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Uh, <laughs> How are you, George, today? Good, thank you. I am tired and it's and it feels oddly dark. It does look oddly dark. Is it raining? Yeah. Um, I think it's raining. It's a bit brighter now. <laughs> yeah, you open the window. Were your well, curtains closed? My curtains were closed, but it's normally not dark even when my curtains are closed. And oh. now it's too bright. I'm going to just close those curtains again. That's better. Um. So yeah. <laughs> Great. How 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 are you? I am fantastic. Great. Never better. It's been raining for like four days straight here in Italy, and it's wow. weird. I can't believe I managed to live eleven years in England because it's pretty hard. Yeah. It's yeah. just rain and rain and rain. And I'm just like, why is this going to stop raining? But I, re- I remember living in England. I was like, oh, there's a day of sun. <laughs> yeah, it'll stop eventually. <laughs> yeah, but we don't, it's never usually like this. So it's a bit strange. I guess the climate change. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> so. Um, shall we make a start? Definitely. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Culture catch up time. I am with the culture catch up this week. Um, so I've got um one movie to talk about that I've seen, mm-hmm. and uh, an album that I've been listening to a little bit, 
um, and had an interesting experience with, and uh, a TV show just to briefly discuss. So, we'll start with the movie. Um, I was very excited this week when I got an opportunity to go and see um, what in the UK is an advanced screening, but for like the rest of the world is a really late screening, um, because it came out a couple of months ago, everywhere else. The um, hit 2022 surprise hit film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a science fiction, comedy, drama, every genre you can think of uh, <laughs> thing. Um, directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Shiner, who are known as Daniels, who are most well known in the past for directing the Lil John video, Turn Down for What? And the... <laughs> exactly, that's where that goes. And the... Um, Daniel Radcliffe is a farting corpse movie, Swiss Army Man, which um, is very good if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. It's very good. A farting corpse. Yeah, Paul Dano is a guy, he's trapped on an island um, and he escapes by, um, he finds a corpse, which is played by Daniel Radcliffe, who talks to him and he escapes by using it as a raft and um, propels it across the sea by making it fart. (laughs) It's it's a very it's a pretty good film. I saw it when it came out in the cinema years ago, so I don't remember it too well. But those mm. are my my main recollections. Um, and this is their second film, um, released by A twenty four. So you always know that you're in for hopefully something interesting at least when it's an A twenty four movie. And this is certainly interesting. Um, it stars Michelle Yeoh, yeah, the wonderful Michelle Yeoh, um, Stephanie Hsu, Ki Hu Kwan. Jenny Slate, uh, Harry Shum Jr., James Hong, legend of cinema James Hong, um, and Jamie Lee Curtis, who also is a legend what? of cinema. I didn't yeah. know she was in it. Yeah, she is in it. She's ab- Absolutely, she's in it. And um, it follows mainly the Wang family uh, and primarily the matriarch of the Wang family, um, Evelyn, played by Michelle Yeoh, who is a laundromat owner, which in, in the UK would call a laundrette, I suppose. She's the owner of a laundrette in America. Um, she's married to uh, Waymond, played by Ki Hu Kwan, who was the um, uh, sidekick in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and played Data in The Goonies. And what? has pretty much yeah not appeared in anything since then. Amazing. Uh, he, because he went uh, went off to be like a fight choreographer and stunt coordinator in Hong Kong cinema, I think, and wow. stuff. And he's sort of finally returned to... Um, Hollywood movie making, is I guess. Mm. Um, and their daughter, uh, Joy, and James Hong, uh, plays Evelyn's father, who is visiting from um, from their home country. Uh, and then Jamie Lee Curtis plays Deirdre Boubedra, 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 Deirdre, who is a tax <laughs> inspector. Yeah, <laughs> and um. When the movie was announced initially, uh, it was described as a f- the plot was described as a woman tries to do her taxes, which is like um, <laughs> a very funny way of underselling the movie. Mm. Um, so the movie sort of opens by introducing you to uh, Evelyn and her family, and then they collectively, although she has a big bust up with her daughter Joy, and um, then herself and her father and her husband go to the IRS department to uh, go over their taxes with an auditor played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And um, <clears throat> in the elevator up to the IRS office, uh, Wayman, her husband, suddenly 
undergoes some sort of odd transformation um, and he seems to be a different person and he warns her of uh, potential danger incoming and gives her instructions on how to access um, a meeting with him in the storage closet while that while she is meeting with uh, the tax inspector at the desk. And if that sounds a little bit confusing, that's only the start of where this movie goes. Um, so then she's very... So during her meeting with Jamie Lee Curtis, she reads these instructions and follows them and is able to access another universe where she's made a decision to, instead of going to the meeting, she goes into this um, cupboard and uh, the alternate version of her husband, Waymond, informs her that there is a great evil attempting to destroy all of the multiple universes, all of the infinite multiverses in existence, um, and only she, as um, a version of Evelyn, can stop it, as the version of Evelyn from another universe was the one that originally discovered how to swap between universes. So she can access them in a way that other people can't. So she needs to learn how to travel between the universes, how to absorb the skills and talents of her various other selves throughout all the universes and defeat the great evil known as Jobu Tabaki. And that is the film. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Broadly. Um, it is filled with like any any one minute section of this movie is like filled with more kind of imaginative set design and writing and script and just everything sort of than than most of a black blockbuster movies managing like a full two hours like it's one of the most and you can tell like these directors came from music videos because they use like the language of music videos so well mm. to like move between these different universes and, and and on a tiny tiny budget make it feel like an enormous expansive like infinite dimension world uh, that they build which is so fantastic and it goes to like all sorts of different areas and places and at one point they go into a, uni a universe where everyone has hot dogs for fingers <laughs> and they, yeah uh, and there's a there's a universe where everyone's just rocks and there's all kinds of I won't just spoil everything but there is a lot going on in the movie and it's pretty incredible. Um, it's sort of I think because it's sort of come out of nowhere to be hailed as one of the greatest films ever made and like on Letterboxd.com wow. for example it briefly reached the top spot in in the like official list of top movies on Letterboxd. Um, overtaking Parasite and Come and See, a film that we talked about briefly in our last episode. Um, and I think it's dropped down now to like number three, but it still places it above films like The Godfather mm. and The Godfather Part Two, and you know, everything else that kind of often gets put at the top of these lists. Um, and I think it belongs there in that company because it is kind of incredible how a film that is filled with so many potentially confusing ideas is ends up being not only like exceptionally entertaining, mm. but also quite easy to follow. And I think the reason it's quite easy to follow is because it all hinges ultimately on um, the relationship between Evelyn and her daughter, Joy. Like, that ends up being the kind of overriding thing that follows the entire movie through from the start to the end. And, like, that gives everyone who watches it a way into the movie, I think, because that's such a universally understood mm. idea, is a, is a troubled relationship between a parent and their child. And, like, having that be the anchor of the film was such a clever move on the part of, of Daniels because then through around all of that, they were able to build the rest of their kind of completely mad, insane world and just have it all work perfectly. Um, mm. It's it's amazing. It's a really, really, really incredible movie. Um, 
and I think as well as you know being really well made, all the acting, all the actors in it deserve accolades for how well they're able to kind of like portray all these various different versions of themselves throughout all the various different universes the movie visits. In particular, Michelle Yeoh, who is, um, uh, and wonderful, and you know I've I've been a fan of her work for a long time ever since seeing Tomorrow Never Dies when <laughs> I was a child, and um, <clears throat> this is a great kind of outlet for her skills and abilities and and it's just good and seeing um and i'm really sorry if i get his name wrong but ki, ki hu kwan ki hoi kwan um as her husband like seeing him back in a movie again after you know mm. him being such a kind of iconic part of 80s cinema is great and he like he doesn't feel like a man who hasn't acted in a film in in as long as he has like he feels like he uh you know he he puts in an amazing performance again portraying these various different versions of um, Waymond and he you know I've read sort of trivia and interviews about the movie where he talks about how he had an acting coach that kind of came up with different animals to assign to the different versions of Waymond that he plays so one of them he plays like an eagle and one of them he plays like a fox um, and it really works because like, you can really kind of differentiate between the different versions of him which is great and of course Jamie Lee Curtis is good yeah it's it's fantastic everyone should watch everything everywhere all at once it is one of those movies that I think is going to be talked about for a long, long, long time to come. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, nice. I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. You should be. God, it's, it's so... Like, I could, yeah, that, yeah. We could, talk, we could talk much longer about this movie because it is crazy. Um, like, how... And especially as, like... It's, it's sort of ended up coming out right around the same time as another much, much bigger movie uh, that, that deals with multiverses and stuff, which mm. I'll talk about next week. But um, for it to kind of, it's just, it just seems like it's hit hit at just the right time. It's like mm. fortuitous that sort of, I think everyone's thinking about multiverses a bit at the moment. And um, <laughs> just to escape uh, our, <laughs> our current. Universe. Yeah, wouldn't it be lovely if there was another universe where everything wasn't horrible? Um, <laughs> yes, that's a nice thing to imagine. That would be um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, everything, everywhere, all at once. Five out of five, amazing film. Um, go and see it. Go and see it. Um, other than that, I also went to the cinema excitingly to listen to the new album from the band Ramstein. Oh, yeah, who put out still their live. They are still alive, yes. Um, they put out their latest studio album called Zeit, or Zeit, Zeit which um, means time or era. Okay. Um, and it is their eighth studio album. And um, to celebrate the release of it, they did for one night only in um, IMAXs and super screens a um, presentation of the album on Atmos speakers. So, mm. you know, high quality speakers. Wow. Um, so with my Cineworld Cinema Pass, I was able to go along. So I went to my local Cineworld and went to their super screen nice. to check it out. And um, it was a bizarre experience to go to the <laughs> cinema to hear an album. But yeah. I've never heard, like, like this was one night only, so people can't go out and do this. But if, if, they, if you ever see an opportunity to go and, like, have an album listening thing at a cinema, I would massively recommend it because it was very... Like I heard the album in a way that I haven't heard it again since listening to it on oh, wow. you know normal speakers. Like it was a pretty cool experience, and they put up um all the all the singles that have music videos. They showed the music videos on the screens, and like Rammstein make pretty, um, 
high budget uh, extravagant music videos so seeing those on a big cinema screen was exciting and then for the other songs that don't have music videos some of them they had like windows media player visualizer looking animations <laughs> and stuff that were going on which was really bizarre but i guess they felt like they had to have something on the screen yeah um so yeah uh, the album itself is sort of they came back in 2019 with an untitled album that was um really hailed and i really liked the album this one for me is probably slightly lower than that mm. um it doesn't have quite as many memorable songs and the highs on it aren't quite as high as the highs on the untitled album um and it's got one song with a music video that I think is really gross and makes me feel ill when I watch it. So Ugh. I don't listen to it too much. But other than that, um, it's, you know, if you like that kind of loud, aggressive um, German music, then mm. you'll enjoy it. If you don't, then it's probably not for you. And that's about all there is to say about Zeit. Um, and other than that, the latest series of Inside Number Nine has started in the UK. And um, if you have never watched Inside Number Nine, you should go to... Wherever it is available in your country, it's on the iPlayer in the UK, and watch it because it's um, amazing. And the first two episodes of the seventh series have both been pretty great, in particular the second episode. Um, I can't say why because it spoils it, but was um, of particular interest to me and the things I enjoy. Um, so nice. pretty good. That It was called Mr King, and it followed a new teacher in a small Welsh primary school trying to... Um, live up to the high standards set by his predecessor, Mr. King. Um, and then it, took to, it takes various dark turns from there. But yeah, it was good. Nice. People should watch it. And that's all I've done this week, really. Mainly everything, everywhere, all at once. Watch it. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Uh, this week, I'll just talk about uh, a film and a book. Um, I watched a film that you uh, recommended and you watched a while ago yes. uh, called uh, Nobody. Oh, that's a film. Yeah. So uh, Nobody is a film uh, with um, Bob Odenkirk. And I also watched it because uh, the new series of Better Call Saul is coming out. So I'm like getting a little bit of Bob before the last season of Better Call Saul comes out. And so I was like, I'll just watch something before Saul. I'm not ready to watch the last season of Better Call Saul. So I'm, I'm waiting a little Pretty bit. Pretty good. Are so you watching far. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not. You... I am not prepared to say goodbye and I'm not prepared to be angst. <laughs> There's, there's been there's been three episodes so far and all yeah. three episodes have been 10 out of 10s like they're really sort of going all in on this last series yeah that series is incredible but i'm waiting i'm not like i'm not ready <laughs> uh, and uh is um uh, is about uh this uh apparently um very boring and mundane family man played by Bob Odenkirk um in uh where uh his uh, he he there is a home invasion and that home invasion where he decides not to you know do anything to the people that are invading his home but that mm -hmm. home invasion triggers something in him that then you realize that this man is not really that uh, calm and boring and ordinary. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. It's a very <laughs> exciting film. Like, yeah. I, when you were talking about it, I was like, you know, it's going to be good. 
but I didn't realize how similar to John Wick it was going to be. Oh, yeah, it's very similar to John Wick. <laughs> and Damn how it. how believable Bobo Odenkirk is as a very dangerous man. Yeah, he does a really good job. Yeah, and uh I I just I just it would it's just so ridiculous that is is really really good. I really enjoyed it. It's just and it's also it's only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's just perfect because he just the the build the, there's like a slow kind of build up and then the 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 action just all comes all at once until the end is just like this just crazy crazy stuff happening and it's just him and people that he knows I'm not gonna spoil <laughs> uh make a mess out of everything um I didn't realize well he was it was in, this film was inspired by Bob Odenkirk who had a couple of um home invasions really. Yeah, yeah, and he felt a little bit, um, and he he locked the um, the people in his basement or something. Um, it just it's just a brilliant movie, uh, and if you haven't watched it, uh, watch it because it's so funny, really well made. No, yeah, I really really enjoyed it. Nobody, um, yeah, and so uh, that that was really good recommendation, George. I thought uh, that was amazing. Good. And then I read a book by a newish, not new, but um, she's been in the scene for quite a while in Japan, but a uh, newish as a writer. Uh, a, fil- a film, I read a book by Mieko Kawakami uh, called Breasts and Eggs. And is the story of uh, three uh, women, Natsu, her older sister Makiko, and Makiko's daughter uh, Midoriko. And uh, the book is kind of divided in two, uh, and the the two side the the one is they are ten years apart. Uh, and in the first, uh, in the first part, uh, they you kind of set the the book kind of sets up the scenes, and um, they um she explores uh the relationship between uh Natsu and her older sister and her niece. Uh, and her she, Natsu does not live in her birth town Osaka, and she lives in Tokyo. Um, and her sister um, Makiko goes and visits her because uh, she wants to uh, change something in her body. And then ten years later, um, and and uh, Makiko is having problems with her daughter Midoriko. And it it kind of explores the relationships and uh, how uh, they lived when they were in Osaka. They don't come from a very rich family, and you know the the sister is a works in a hostess club, which um, in Japan they're very popular. Where you know men will go to these clubs and they will spend the evening chatting with these hostesses. And um, it doesn't pay very well. And depending on in which kind of hostess clubs club you are in, uh, you can get paid as much or as little. And then um, Natsu, uh, the main character, wants to pursue a, a career as a writer. And then it goes 10 years later where um, she, she, she's thinking about having children and she's got various women around her, uh, from her published publicist to other writers, and um, and the second part of the book, she's trying to figure out how she can have a child, 
without mm. having a man, which is interesting because I never knew this and I'm not sure if it's international or just a thing of Japan. Like a single woman cannot go to a clinic, cannot get pregnant with um, artificial insemination, which I think is crazy. Is as a woman, why do I need a partner, especially a male partner? And so that I thought that was interesting. And she, and the second part, a bit like the first part, but she kind of like, there's a lot of conversations between women and yeah, conversations that it's kind of like, a, it's a fiction book, but it feels mm. like interviews, which is really interesting because in the book, not much happens. Nothing happens really. But there's a lot of conversations between women talking about the state of being a woman in uh, Tokyo, Japan and mm. Japan in general and it's a, it's it's a really good book because I think um, the state of woman in the world is <laughs> constantly changing and devolving evolving I don't know it's crazy what's happening now especially with like what's happening in the United States with you know um, abortions abortion laws and which are insane and um the the state of woman in in japan is evolving i hope so um it's interesting to kind of um find out in a place that i lived for so long how different although i could see the differences it's interesting to find out from also you know a book um mm. and uh i i really enjoyed it it was really really good book and um very easy to read uh and uh what what i like kind of nothing exciting just reading <laughs> and uh yeah i um i really liked it uh, breast annex by mieko kawakami mieko kawakami nice yeah. yeah 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 sounds good sounds very good yes and that's it for my culture kachapa this week awesome yes Good choices. Thank you very much for sharing them. Um, right, before we go into my tube, yeah. uh, we've got some brief, a new segment, <laughs> breaking news. Oh, breaking news. Breaking news. So you'll be you'll be very excited by this, Alex. Um breaking now in the last hour as we've no. been recording our podcast uh, yeah. the the BBC yeah. the British Broadcasting Corporation have officially announced get ready you yeah. ready the they've officially announced who is going to be the new yeah doctor who ah i was thinking james bond i was like what why, why is nope. the bbc announcing the, BBC, the new doctor who should the i guess doctor it who. Uh yes, go on, guess. Man or woman? Uh man. Man. Uh do I know him? Yes. Uh is he young or old? Young. Has he recently been in a film? Uh, no. <laughs> Has he recently been in a TV show? Yes. In the UK. Oh. Yes. What's the name of the TV show? Well, that's going to give you a big old... Well, exactly, but I need to guess okay. at some point. 
sex education. Okay, is he one of the main characters? Well, they're all main characters. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not Asa Butterfield. No. It's, um, oh, it's your favourite. The tall guy that goes out with Eric. No. Eric? Yes! <laughs> yes! No! Yes! yes. Uh, what's his name? Nkuti uh, Gatwa. Eh? Nkuti Gatwa. Nkuti Gatwa! How exciting! Yes. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he's still going to be in. I hope he's still going to be in sex education. He better people, be. People, people, people normally manage to be in more than one thing. I think he'll be fine. <gasps> How exciting! Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch Doctor Who, but it's good for no, him. No, me neither. But it's he's, good for him. He, he's brilliant in sex education. There's and I think I would career. watch him because he's in Doctor Who. I would watch Doctor Who because he's in it. I'd check out Doctor Who. I'll check out the first yeah. episode to see how he is. Um, yeah, it's cool. He's only 29, isn't he? He's the new Doctor. Wow. Mm. I thought Doctor Who was finished anyway. Was it not dead? Oh, God, no, no. I think it's still one of the biggest things that the BBC does at the moment, so I think they're going to... Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're bringing back Russell T Davies as the new showrunner. Who, oh, well, he who so he revived he revived it in two thousand five with Christopher Eccleston and and did um the David Tennant stuff and then left in oh, two thousand and nine okay. um and then they've had a variety of other showrunners but now that Russell T Davies is coming back so people think that that's you know reason to be excited even though by the time he left everyone thought he was awful so you know Doctor mm. Who fans are um fickle I'll say <laughs> fans are fickle anyway come on. Yeah, that's true. Fans in general are just fickle. Fans generally, fans are fickle. But there you go. So <laughs> Nkuti Gatwa. I hope I'm nah. pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right. But um, he's he's uh he is great, and I'm excited for that. <sighs> lovely stuff. Okay, should we have a bit of a my tube? Yeah. We've seen the things already in the MyTube, but they're things that are worth discussing. So yeah. let's have a little look at the videos. And um... Oh, I just opened Facebook. Doctor Who in Kuti Gatwa to replace jo- Jodie Whittaker, BBC announces. Wow, he's so yeah. beautiful. He's so gorgeous. I love him. <laughs> Big news, isn't it? So the first trailer that George has sent me is on other Apple TV Plus uh, trailer, uh, the Essex Serpent. Yes. I have watched this trailer before, but I will watch it with George and we can both discuss it again. Yeah, we can. Uh, are you ready to go? Yes. Okay, three, two, one, go. Oh. So, very misty. 
English countryside it appears to be. Yes. Loki is there. Loki, yeah. What's his name? Tom Hiddleston. Well, Tom Hiddleston. It looks very much like uh, the Woman in Black or some other sort of gothic English yes. horror thing, folk horror stuff, which is all all the stuff I like. Claire Danes is here now. Claire Danes was playing another uh, again. She's playing an English person. Yep. Oh, Tom Hiddleston and Claire Danes have a little bit of chemistry. Mm, a, little bit, a little bit of a frisson between them. Yeah. Is that blasphemy? You won't get my husband to judge you. Oh, she. Who is that actress? Uh, the wife. Sure. I don't know the wife, but the other the other actress with the black hair is Haley Squires, who has been in some really good stuff recently, like In the mm. Earth. Okay. So something is happening. There's a serpent, and I think he's possessing everybody. Or driving driving everyone to some sort of fervor of some some kind. Yeah. Everybody's in love with Claire Danes. Of course. You didn't start all this. We can't control our inner thoughts. And Tom Hiddleston is falling in love with her as well. Yes. So it's very religious town. Yep, yep, yep. And they they think that her arrival in town has 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 um, welcomed the arrival of a, a monstrous serpent of some kind. Yes. But is it? Is, is got, there going to be a serpent? I don't know. Or and she has got red hair. She does. Red hair. You know, if you come from Italy, you know what that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll explain later. Okay. That the source of light is closest. Ooh. The Essex serpent. Um, it was um, it was really bad in Italy actually until like not very long ago that if you had red hair you were like uh considered demonic um oh i see and uh kind of there was like certain things like red hair and having and uh writing with your left uh, like um being left-handed as well yeah that's the same that was the same in the uk yeah. um what do you think but what do you think of the essex serpent so uh, maybe good then maybe shit then <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Does it look scary? Do you think it looks scary? No, no. But it's about no. a giant snake. Yeah, but you know. What happens when the snake monkey. turns up and starts eating people? I don't think it will. Because uh, then it will be like tremors. And... Why would it be called? I think it is going to be like tremors. It's like a Victorian tremors. <laughs> That's what I took away from that trailer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I think uh, I think it might be good. Um, not really. Like it looks good, but I'm not. Are, are you interested in watching it? Yeah, definitely. I like, you know, gothic literature, gothic fiction stuff mm. like that. So um, I haven't read the book it's based on him, but it looks like my cup of tea. Mm. Um, I just hope that there's a guy in a big rubber snake suit at some point to make it all worthwhile. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I think it looks, looks like a fun time. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we got time for one more? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Another one that I think you've seen, but worth watching because um, I'm talking about because it looks pretty cool. So the next one is a trailer that I have seen. Uh, uh, also, uh, don't worry, um, don't worry, darling. Don't. The new film, or is the only film? Doing the only film. 
by Olivia Wilde. No, she did Booksmart, which you've seen. Yeah, Booksmart. So it's the second film by Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Which, poor woman. Did you see what happened? <laughs> yeah, that was horrible when she was presenting it at CinemaCon and somebody gave her legal papers, custody papers. Um, How is that? I, I never understood that about... Does it happen in England as well that you I have... don't think that happens to getting served papers in that way. Yeah, and she's so. like, oh, she got served papers. Yeah. Like, ha- what an inappropriate moment to do it. Yeah, and then Jason but... Sudeikis had to put out a statement being like, I did not know that they were going to... Like, that was not <laughs> within my sort of yeah. control. Yeah, but, blood, like, come on, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, you should be more intelligent than serving paper to your wife ex-wife or ex-partner whatever she is no because i think the papers would have to be served at some point I, I, like it's not his choice where it happens he would have just his lawyers would have been dealing with it for custody of their children yeah that's the shitty thing to do anyway isn't it you're not supposed to like parent together well is he is he asking for full custody of the children isn't it just to have a a legal d- discussion about it. I didn't know that it was he was trying to take the children. Permanently. I have no idea, but that's what no. I thought. Like I assumed that if you both go to court and say, "Well, we've decided that we're going to co-parent," I'm pretty sure you don't have to serve any pa- any paper to anyone, well, especially like that, because that that's like the cheeky way of serving papers, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, you know, take this and yeah. But again, I mean, we don't know the full extent of the no. story, do we? we? Don't maybe she's not allowing him to see them. Like I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? It's not not ours to... Um, no, no. I just thought it was weird. It was a pretty crappy way of doing it, however, you know, whatever the reason yeah. behind it was. Um, but yeah, in this new film, there is uh, Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, uh, and then that's, I think that's all I remember. Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Um, <laughs> and more. Let's watch and see. Yeah. Are you, are you yes. ready to go? Yeah. Okay, three... Two, one, go. Music is playing. People are smoking. And they're happy. Yes. There's a car driving in a big circle. Yeah. Doing a big big kiss. Florence Pugh and Harry Styles are in love. Ah, of course they are. And it looks like a nice community of people. Yeah, nothing's going to go wrong here. No. Slightly sinister piano, though. Yeah, and everybody's saying goodbye to their husband at the same time. Yep, they're all driving off. Yeah. Like, their life seems perfect. Yeah. Uh, But there's an earthquake. Boys and their toys. At least we know they're getting work done. And the wives do not work. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all no. here. Oh, I love her. What's her name? Em- Gemma Chan. Changing the world. Yes. Changing the world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? And it's becoming a little more sinister. What do you mean? Everybody was happy at the beginning. And now... The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Everybody has to stay in the same place. Where it's safe. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Oh, Chris Pine. Hello. Hi, Chris Pine. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if it's No. Jack. It's okay. I 
I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. So not everything is as it seems. No. Some very cool shots here. Yeah. Need you to it to looks me. like Olivia Wilde's really stepping up, like from the last movie to this one, in terms of like ambition. Yeah, definitely. Scope. Oh, hello. Oh. Is that Ditavontes? Like Maybe. I don't, I don't hmm. know. Not crazy. So it feels like you can't really go against oh, this together. project of theirs. But it's not giving much away, is it? No. But it looks sinister and weird. Yeah. All the things that I like. I don't want to be here anymore. And Florence Pugh is just incredible. Yes, Don't worry, darling. Yeah, looks... Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, definitely. What do you think? Yeah, it looks amazing. looks exciting. That, I think, is definitely going to be a little bit... Sinister and scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you is want. This a, is this a second film? Olivia Wilde, I think so. Yeah, I think it's just this and Book Spark so far. Mm. Um, yeah, she's she seems amazing. Talented lady. Ooh, there's a trailer coming straight after Buzz Lerman's Elvis. Oh, wow. Oh, have you not seen the trailer for that? No. Uh, well, I've seen it. it. It looks, it's, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, we can do. Um, yeah. Do you want to have you got the do you want to send me the link to that trailer? Yeah. So Buzz Lerman. I, I do love a little bit of Buzz Lerman. I mean I like Buzz Lerman, I just don't like Elvis Presley. Oh, I, I like them both. Yes. The guy playing Elvis in this Austin Butler is doing quite the voice, so uh, see what you think. Nice. Right, you ready? Yeah. Oh, and Tom Hanks looks like a golem. Or, or <laughs> right. Three, two, one, go. There are some who'd make me out to be the villain of this here story. What? Is that Tom Hanks's voice? Yep. Okay. He's playing his manager, I think. I think the film is uh, sort of told from the perspective of the manager. I can't remember his name. Ah, so is the origin of Elvis Presley. Well, I think it goes through his whole life. Oh. Oh. And he, uh, he's famous. In that moment, I watched that skinny boy transform. Into a superhero. Oh, look at his hips shake. Wow. No woman had never seen those hips shake. <laughs> he was my destiny. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. Why is. Are you ready to fly? <laughs> I'm ready. Why is Tom Hanks looking like a... I think that's what the real guy looked like, so... Ah, uh, really? I think so. I can't move, I can't sing. Some people want to put me in jail. So where's moving? They might put me in jail walking across the street. It's amazing how, like, certain things that don't really affect 
us in a time they affected people like the way he moved his hair you know like we could look at it and it's like well but at the time it was quite revolutionary what this white guy did i suppose it was it's different times now george but it was pretty like it's when the beatles came out and they had like long hair oh, no, there, like, oh my. there yeah. is some talented musicians Shut up. You shut up. Don't you can't say that he wasn't talented. I like him and I think he was amazing. He went down the wrong road, but I just hate the 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 tackiness of it all. The big pink Wait, That was towards the stuff. end though. Sure. And poor guy, like I think he suffered quite a bit towards the end. Yeah, on the toilet. <laughs> we are the same, you and I. We are two odd lonely children reaching for eternity. Children. I don't like Tom Hanks' accent. Uh, I don't know. I think I, you know, I do enjoy. I do like uh, a little it, bit of uh, um, Elvis Presley in my life, so I might enjoy it. But I don't enjoy this kind of accent that that Tom Hanks is doing. I don't understand. Where is he from? Well, probably if you look up the guy, he probably sounds fairly similar to the guy. <laughs> I don't know the guy, <laughs> Captain whatever his name was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a well-made Baz Luhrmann movie. I just don't care about Elvis. But I'm sure it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into the meat of today's episode. Uh, Midnight Mass. The tofu. Yes, okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Midnight Mass being a um, limited series uh, that premiered on Netflix. Premiered? Premiered on Netflix. Premiered. Premiered, <laughs> yeah. premiered on Netflix in September of 2021. Uh, seven episodes long. Um created and written by the great Mike Flanagan, um, who has previously done uh, films such as Hush, Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep, and um, TV shows such as uh, The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Blind Manor. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Mike Flanagan and his work, so I was very pumped and excited to watch this when it came out, and Absolutely adored it, which I think I've spoken about before in the past in particular. Um, enjoying Hamish Linklater's performance as Father Paul. Um, how about you? Do you have any prior with Mike Flanagan, Alex? No. Not at Not all? Not at all. Not at all. No, this was my first experience of Mike Flanagan. And why did you watch it? Because you wanted uh, one of your favourite um, performances of last year was of one of the actors uh, in this series, which his name is Hamish Linklater. Mm -hmm. Hamish Linklater, and he plays Father Paul, one of the main people mm. in this place. In this place, indeed. In this, in this uh, series. <laughs> uh, what were your sort of expectations going in? Uh... I had no expectations, actually. Zero. Oh, really? I hadn't watched... Well, because 
It look, clearly looks like uh, maybe horror, thriller. I didn't even watch the trailer because I knew I wasn't going to watch it. And so when you imposed the watching on to <laughs> thy, <laughs> um, I watched it without anything. It was going to be something about a church because it's called Midnight Mass. Um, I knew it was going to be scary because it's called Midnight Mass. And, you know, the, the the church on the poster does not look like an inviting, come and uh, worship the Lord with us. It looks more like... <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what it looks like. So. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. And also midnight mass, that's sinister, isn't it? Why, why, are they, why are they going at midnight? Why can't they have like midday mass? What's wrong with the I daytime? I guess so. I guess so. But then mass at, at Christmas is at midnight. Yeah, but not every day. No. 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 Um, so my experience watching this was, uh, like I said, really, really excited to see it. I sat down and watched it not long after it uh, premiered, premiered, and um, uh, sort of started off very, very slow and yeah. took a little, you know, two or three episodes to really pull me in. Um, mm. But then by the end, I was like the last I think uh, the ending, we'll talk about it in more detail, but the end of episode five and then episode six and seven are pretty phenomenal TV and I absolutely loved it. What, what did you think of it as you went through it? Um, I've Like I said, a repeated amount of times. It does start slowly and I had my suspicions from the beginning of certain characters already, especially the mother of the doctor. Because yeah. I was like, she does not look like an old lady. <laughs> And so I, uh, I, I found I found certain things kind of suspicious, but I I enjoyed that because I wanted to know why, because I knew that he's not. I I assumed that he was not. This wasn't is not uh, Mike Flanagan's first rodeo, <laughs> and I I was like there has to be something going on with these characters that have real strange prosthetics <laughs> so i don't know if he if that was done especially the mother of the doctor i think that was the kind of the one that was like hmm hmm that's too much um but then towards the end it was crazy uh episode um six was pretty intense when they lock everybody in the church mm. i did not expect that when that happened i was like what no <laughs> no this is not happening and so i was like oh i thought i was really exciting because i didn't think that the evil will spread so much like that yeah yeah it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty crazy um yeah we'll, we'll get we'll get there and talk about that in more detail yeah. but overall yeah. positive on it yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great series. It's a uh, really, really good and exciting, and and um, everybody's kind of a protagonist in this, which is good. Everybody's got like some some time to. Yeah, it's develop. interesting because I mean the basic setup of the show, like the premise, is that um, Riley Flynn, who's a young man, who the 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 entire series opens on him, 
at the scene of a drink driving accident that he has caused and a young girl is uh, dying on the side of the road mm. um and he you know he is at fault it's his fault he's an alcoholic he's had this accident he spends um 4 years in prison for you know causing this this death and uh, then the show opens properly with him returning to his his home on Crockett Island which is a small island fishing community off the coast mm. of America um which all you really need to know about Crockett Island is it's tiny. There's a very small population that live on the island. They survive entirely off the fishing industry. Yeah. However, they have had recent hardships due to an oil company. Yeah. Buying out, like giving them a load of money. Because there's been a big accident which has yeah. caused havoc to the ecosystem yeah. caused by this oil company. But instead mm. of taking the oil company to court, they the the island kind of accepted a big payout. Mm. Which was then um they were convinced to then funnel into the local church by um a lady who works at the church who we'll talk about more as we go through it. Uh so that's sort of the basic setup is that like yeah. you kind of initially think, Oh, here's the main character and everyone else is supporting him. But like you said, as you go through the series, that's totally no. not the case at all. And he's just no. our initial entry point into the world of yeah. of the of Crockett Island. But like we if if there is a main character by the end, I'd say it's actually Erin, um, Kate Siegel's character. Yeah, yeah. But again, or she's the not. Priest. She's not the primary character. Or the or or, or Father Paul. Or Father Paul. <laughs> um, or Mons- Monsignor Pruitt, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Um, before we talk in any more details, just the big thing about the show that got a lot of attention, kind of in terms of the internet's discussion of it and Twitter's discussion of it and stuff, were the number of monologues. What did you think of the monologues? <laughs> it's pretty. It's good that he's a good writer <laughs> because it is, it does go on and on and on but they make they make sense and one monologue um made me a little bit and just just put me on edge a little bit um in one episode it was a little bit too close to heart uh, when uh, they talk about dying well i was going to bring that up because that's my brother and i was <laughs> i was like i was lying down on the bed watching it and then he starts, and I start feeling. I felt really un in unease, like like a really weird. Oh God, let me not. <laughs> let me just try and refocus myself because I thought I thought that it must have been pretty hard to also like deliver that monologue. Yeah, and it was it's a hard lot. to listen to it. Yeah, and it's an interesting. Like my brother messaged me about that that particular scene, and mm. he made a good point in terms of like, and I had a similar feeling where I think it's episode four maybe, and it's these two characters and they sit down, and yeah. one of them starts saying, "This is what I think happens when we die," and yeah. then talks for a, what feels like ten minutes. Yeah. About and what must be close to ten minutes about you know their exact idea of what happens after somebody yeah. dies, and you kind of by the end of that you're like, that was quite draining. And then, and then, and then the character turns to the other character and says, "So that's how that's what I think happens when you die. What do you think happens when you die?" And you're like, "No, no, they're not no." And then they do the other character yeah. is like, "Well, this is what I think yeah. happens." And then that's ten yeah. more minutes, of like yeah. two big hefty monologues about yeah. the afterlife, on yeah. top of each other. 
is is I think the point where people I think if Netflix are able to analyze the points where people turn off, that might be one of the p- points where some people get lose themselves in the show because that was quite a lot to get through. Yeah, but I think I think with all the things that we have watched, I've never had such a visceral feeling about a moment like in this monologue. Yeah, like when he says it. I was like, Ugh, just, just, I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, her, her, her take is very much rooted in religion. Like religious, isn't it? And yeah. His her take, take is very much sort of rooted in existentialism reality. and yeah, reality. reality. <laughs> Depending on what you believe in, but yeah, I uh, yeah. Um. Um. And so, yeah, there was a, there's a lot of monologues, uh, and, um. They're interesting, and I think I think I think they're good. Yeah, pretty much um, ev- every major character gets at least one, pretty much, right? Yeah, and what I like about Mike Flanagan because you could go into this thinking that Mike Flanagan hates religion, and Mike Flanagan does not hate religion. Mike Flanagan actually loves spirituality. He hates bigots, and mm. I just love about this because. It's just, I just, I, I felt like you need something like this because it's not nothing against religion. It's nothing against spirituality because there's like a Muslim character that is really, you know, he explains Islam in an incredible way. But what Mike Flanagan does is just punish the bigots. And oh, yeah. I love that because you you can't you you have to enjoy it lo- he he made something called Midnight Mass where there's a lot of like bad things against religion mm-hmm. without making it against religion but are making it against people thinking they're better because they are religious and I mm-hmm. just really really I think he's a very clever human in that mm. sense uh, I agree mm. I agree. Um, it's it's pretty good stuff. Right, let's have a chat about. Um, let's just talk through the main characters, and then we can yep. go through some of the episodes and talk about our favorite moments or bits that we thought were interesting. So, as we've mentioned repeatedly already, Hamish Linklater as Father Paul is probably the biggest face on the poster. Broadly, yeah. is the main character of the show, but and this is one of the things I love about the show is that like, is he is he a hero? Is he a villain? It who, who can say. Um. But uh, in terms of the initial setup, he is the new priest who has arrived on the island yeah. to be the priest for St. Patrick's Church to replace the ageing Monsignor Pruitt, who is still away on pilgrimage. Um, yeah. That is the setup for the character, but certainly is not all that we learn about him uh, as the series goes on. They've got Kate Siegel, who is, uh, in fact, married to Mike Flanagan and appears in most of his productions. Um, and he is incredibly lucky to be able to say that because she's great in everything that mm. she's done for him and she's great in this as Erin Green um, uh, the childhood sweetheart of another main character Riley um, who who is teacher at the local school um, yeah. and school is a very generous term for what seems to be a room <laughs> yeah <laughs> there are not many kids on that island no um, but there will soon be one more kid because Erin is expecting a child yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, then Zach Guilford plays Riley Flynn um, oh, let's well actually let's spend a slightly longer on it. What did you think of Erin as a character? Um, 
she grew she grew up on me throughout the thing because at the beginning I thought it was a bit it was an interesting character because she changes a lot in throughout the series so at the beginning you know yeah um she's she's just come back to the island because she escaped uh, the island once but you know um circumstances circumstances make made her come back to the island mm. and she just seems like like this teacher that is pregnant and she just wants to live her like a normal life and and by the end she's the one that kind of manages to help move, yeah. move the help the island or the two people that she wants to help to yeah. escape the island so yeah yeah there's an interesting parallel between her and Riley who is the um the man who's caused the death and is returning to the island after spending time mm. in prison where they talk a lot about how when Erin was a teenager, she was a sort of rebellious tear away, um, mm. you know, difficult, difficult child, um, but has now grown up into being, you know, a very religious, um, you know, teacher, responsible adult on the island. Mm. Whereas Riley's almost the opposite, was a choir boy when he was when he was a teenager, mm. very very religious, followed along with everything, and then mm. has sort of fallen away as an adult and comes back to the island in some degree of disgrace, you mm. know, having having killed this person and mm. is is a sort of a known alcoholic, etc. And the way that that you know, we are set up to assume that Riley is the main character, and then as the show kind of progresses and due to events, particularly in episode five. Aaron ends up being pushed into the spotlight in terms of like, like when you're talking about how he doesn't hate religion, he likes, he hates bigots. Yeah. Aaron ends up almost being the symbol of the positive side of yeah. religion. Yeah. And, and ends up having to be in direct opposition to um, Bev, <laughs> Bev Keen, played by Samantha Sloyan, who, if there is a, if there is an antagonist, this is a, a, a central villain in the show. She it is, is the villain. It she is, is definitely the villain from the moment you see her to the moment she disappears in the last episode. She is awful. Yeah, she is absolutely horrible. You just wanted to tell her to shut up and go in the in the water and yeah. never come back. <laughs> yeah. She she murders a dog at one point and you think that she can't get any more unlikable. And then she still continues to be Yeah. <laughs> find new depths of horrible behaviour to, to sink to. All, yeah. all in the name of God and being a good Christian, which makes it all the more sort of skin-crawlingly awful. I want to ask you something. Do oh, you yeah. think she tried to murder the priest as well? What or is point? it just my my imagination going wild? Well, she does ultimately turn on him in the end. Or do you mean earlier on? So until, until a certain point, the priest can still go out in the light. Mm-hmm. But then, at some point, the priest cannot go out in the light anymore. Mm. After he had this attack where he, you know, he's yeah, yeah, getting... Yeah. I thought she poisoned him and she killed him. And that's why then after... And then he resusc- resuscitated. And that's why he couldn't go in the light after. Because she, she does a scene where she has this poison in her hand and she puts it away and I go... And I, and I like, she poisoned the priest. I but don't... then... Nothing comes up after. I don't think so, but I can't. Mike Flanagan, we need his number. <laughs> let's, let's let's talk about that in more detail when we when we get to that. Episode. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you when when exactly happens, and yeah, I'm yeah. and I'm pretty sure because, mm, can we email him? Yeah, we'll, we'll email him. <laughs> Dear Mike. I'm sure the answer's online. Um, <laughs> 
So other important characters to talk about briefly. Uh, Rahul Kohli plays Sheriff Hassan. Yeah. Um, who you mentioned One of my favourites. He's great. Like that actor, I've, I've not really seen him he's much so else, good. but he's amazing. Um, yeah. Really, really like him. Yeah. Uh, his entire costume was um, inspired by the main character in The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, okay. And The Last of Us, Joel Miller, because uh, Mike Flanagan and Rahul Kohli are such big fans of Joel and The Last of Us games that they um, took inspiration for his dress uh, wow. from that game, which is a, a little touch that I really like. And um, yeah, he's a, he's the sheriff of the island and he's a practicing Muslim and that's a big source of you know confrontation and conflict within the yeah. show, particularly between him and Bev, who we talked about, who's, um, you know, amongst, amongst all the all her sins she's definitely um a racist and an islamophobe and everything else you could you could call her she's horrible um so yeah sheriff hassan um there's a character called lisa scarborough who is in a wheelchair due to an injury that we'll learn more about later uh annabeth gish plays dr sarah gunning the town's local doctor uh i loved this character and this actor i'm a big fan of of um of the doctor uh what did you think of sarah gunning yeah real uh real really like her and uh i figured out her relationship to the priest at the fun fair at the like the easter fair or something when he just looks at her well done and i was um, like oh my god because of the relationship he has with his mother yeah 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 um there's a great episode where she is doing some real detective work and working out like what's actually going on in the island and drawing some conclusions and just watching her go through that like investigative process is really entertaining. Um, big fan. Uh, Alex Esso plays Mildred Gunning, her mother, her aging mother, who, as we've discussed, is in quite a lot of prosthetics in the beginning. Mm. Um, due to Alex Esso being like 20 years younger than Anna, F- Anna Beth Gish, who's, who's daughter, who's playing her daughter. Mm. Um, who else is there who's a big character? There's various relatives, like um, Sheriff Hassan has a son. Um, Riley Flynn has uh, like a sibling and some um, his parents are involved. Uh, Henry Thomas, who was Elliot in E.T., plays um, Riley's father um, because of the fact that Henry Thomas is now in all of Mike Flanagan's stuff, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, those are sort of the main characters. Mm. Like it's, it's primarily Riley Flynn... Mm. On the good side, you've got Riley, Erin, and the Doctor. And on the bad side, you've got um, Bev Keen, and um, he's not really a big character, but Sturge, the local handyman, ends up being Bev's mm. sort of uh, go-to. And then in the middle of them, never quite sure what side you are. he's on until the end, is uh, Father Paul. So what I'll do is I'll read through the uh, plot synopsis of the different episodes and we can have a quick discussion about what we thought of the different episodes and go through the series that way. How do you feel about that? Yes, yes. Okay. I've, uh, I'm just, I've just found an article about maybe the poisoning. Okay. Yeah. When we get to the episode, let's, let's, let's yeah. discuss that one. So, yeah. each, uh, first of all, each episode is named after a book in the Bible. Um, setting us up immediately for the exceptionally religious heavy nature of the show Uh, so episode one is called book one Mm. genesis Uh, riley flynn returns to his hometown of crockett island a tiny offshore fishing village reeling economically due to an oil spill that crippled its fishing industry after serving four years in prison for a drunk driving crash that killed a young woman the community is also joined by father paul hill a young priest claiming to be a temporary replacement for the aging monsignor pruitt who is on pilgrimage to the holy land 
While out at night with his friends, Uka and Ali, Warren spots strange movements in a remote island area populated by mm-hmm. feral cats, later mauled by an unseen entity. The following night, Riley sees the figure of Monsignor Pruitt walking along the beach amidst a raging storm, but the figure soon vanishes. The next morning, hundreds of dead cats are discovered along the beach. And that is episode one. And mm-hmm. that final image of all of those dead cats along the beach yeah. is quite... Um, impressive yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think knowing how it all ends i mean you've watched this more recently than me what why are all those cats dead has the angel i think the the angel has um has sucked their blood i guess wow interesting yeah that's a lot of cats that's a lot of cats yeah yeah um it's a very much a, a table setting episode, isn't it? And like, like you know, the main, the main things are introducing those main characters, and then the big spooky set piece is those three teenagers sat around that campfire while something moves around oh. in the dark. <laughs> Did you find that scary? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, what is it going to be? Oh, yeah, and um, it's already kind of spooky. Having being in an island with like a hundred and twenty seven people or something, yeah, and like no, you know, there's nobody there. Well, you can't really leave the island unless you take the boat or you have a boat, and that's already kind of so detaches you completely from reality. And this island is so run down, um, and the people on it are just. They they look unhappy, <laughs> so it's already kind of like a bleak kind of setup, isn't it? And um, and Riley Flynn is back, and he doesn't want to be back. I guess no. Mm-hmm. It isn't. It's an unfortunate thing. The most unfortunate thing about this show is that Riley Flynn is the blandest man in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I'm glad. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm it's glad a shame that he... because. Well, it does. It does become better. Um, unfortunately, I've seen him in other things. Uh, the this actor, uh, Zach Guilford. Yeah, and he he kind of seems the same, but I don't know. Maybe he wanted to because he does suffer from PTSD. Because every night when he goes to spe- sleep, what he sees is the girl that he killed. Yes, that's true. That is, to be clear, that is Riley Flynn, not the actor, Zach Guilford. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Riley <laughs> Flynn. Yeah, and so he is suffering from some kind of PTSD. And you're not supposed to like him very much, I think, because he didn't, he did kill a woman and he, he's already out of jail after like four years. Um, yeah, so um, the, the lady that he sees every night, the girl he killed, is a pretty gross... Mm, pretty spooky and, stuff. Uh, that's yeah. about that's the closest it gets to feeling like um the haunting of Hill House is of a big okay. sort of TV show, which has got a yeah. lot of a lot of scenes of people seeing uh yeah. disturbing ghosts and stuff. Um mm. which kind of almost set me up to assume like I think the first time I watched this I was expecting her to actually be a spirit, but it's mm. not. It is just the manifestation of his kind of PTSD having yeah. I mean, yeah. Um Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I feel I feel like the episode is not not much happens, but it's intriguing enough to make you want to go to the next episode. Yes, definitely. And that's that next episode is called Book Two Psalms. Yeah. And in this episode, the townspeople cannot determine a cause of death for the cats found along the beach. 
Bev covers the church perimeter of the Rodenta side at 1080, hoping to fend off potential predators. Bad move, Bev. During the night, Bol, the island's drug dealer, is attacked by an unseen, unseen assailant. Father Paul meets Lisa Scarborough, the wheelchair-bound daughter of the mayor, who is paralysed after being accidentally shot by the town drunk, Joe Colley. During the island's annual Ash Wednesday Pot Luck Festival, Joe's dog suddenly dies after eating food off the ground. Joe suspects Bev, whom he despises, for extracting church donations from the townsfolk after convincing them to accept a settlement with the oil company that poisoned the Bay's waters, knowing it would benefit the church. Riley attends a one-on-one AA meeting with Father Paul at the town rec centre. He expresses his contempt for a god that would allow such evil in the world, owing to his guilt over the fatal car accident. During Mass that Sunday, Father Paul insists in an amazing scene that Lisa rise from her wheelchair to accept the Eucharist. To everyone's shock, Lisa stands and walks. So if the first episode was light on events, then this one immediately starts just throwing interesting idea after interesting idea at you until it finally ends in like that moment of um, effectively a miracle. And you still don't know. Like, And one of the things I love about Midnight Mass is that you don't know until a few episodes in what it actually is like what kind of show it is and we haven't actually we haven't even actually said the word yet for what this show is in terms of the name of the thing that is ultimately causing all of this um which is never said within the show itself as well and there's so much happens here that you can't explain and you can't understand and it's i i i Mm. love i love this episode um what did you think uh it was it was really in the first kind of couple of episodes you kind of think that father paul is the good side of religion yeah you know he's he's forgiving he's welcoming he's um loving he's everything and of that you would want religion to be you know um and um so it's it you kind of uh you you you're really kind of inspired by this man um you realize that the mayor is an absolute plonker since yeah we haven't talked so much about mayor scarborough but he is absolutely useless yeah he's a useless man and uh and it, it's uh things things start setting out a little bit more and you realize bev is the devil um yeah. <laughs> if there could be one um like a really terrible human yeah that like she yeah. definitely poisoned Joe's dog on purpose. She definitely poisons Joe's dog. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and uh, she's just above people, and she thinks she's better than anybody else. And um, when he tells Lisa to stand up, I was like, oh oh, <laughs> oh no. What, what were your? Did you do you remember what guesses you had at that point as to what was going on? Have we have we had an experience of I can't remember. Have we had any inkling that something was in that box or did that come after? Well, there's the scene There's a scene where he comes home, Father Paul, and he has a big like box chest, like yeah. a big box. I think we've and seen that by this point. Yeah, and there is something in that box. And I was like, is Monsignor Pruitt in that box? 
what is in that box? Because Riley <laughs> thinks that he sees Monsignor Pruitt in the exactly. first episode, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, so... And there's whatever's there's whatever's around the edge of the campfire in the first episode. Yeah. And there's whatever attacks the drug dealer. Exactly. So the there house. is something. But when he says stand up, I was like, no. Uh. And I love the everyone else is like, what are you? No, what are you doing? And he just yeah. sticks to his guns and like. Yeah. It's a really. Yeah. Distressing sequence. Um, yeah. At yeah. first, but then she's and that's the moment that you stand up and you leave the island. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> that's weird. The, this that's the moment that you go no. Well, these people, um, they this is their home, I guess. Like, it's hard to leave that's your the home. Mo- yeah, but you, that's the moment that you just say sayonara, baby. You know, you don't. I don't know. Um, I thought I, I, I this blind. And that's the beginning for me of this blind faith that will, anything that you do, it's okay. Mm. Kind of Old Testament kind of faith. And that I think that's that's the thing. Like, it's very Old Testament-y. Like, there's a lot of Old Testament stuff in here and it's just awful. Definitely. Um, yeah, so I thought that this was an interesting episode yeah it's very good um not mentioned in the synopsis i've been reading but i'm pretty sure there's some good stuff between erin and uh riley at the potluck festival just sort of some good background character work there and um the aa meeting between him and paul is is good stuff as well yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting and i thought oh uh, father paul he's uh is a good guy. Yeah, and I think Mike Flanagan just makes really good use of that rec centre as a set, like that quite big empty space that is inhabited by just a couple of people in quite a lot of scenes. Um, I don't know, it just feels it just really well shot because it's a lot of scenes of people just sat in chairs talking to each other, but it all yeah. is really well, it really compelling. And also a nice little Easter egg um, in this second episode and, and after this episode as well, I think on the stage of the rec centre you can see a big mirror which is the evil mirror from the movie Oculus, which um, ah. Mike Flanagan directed earlier in his career and uh, is uh, a pretty fun time. Good Karen Gillan horror film. Mm. So, yeah, uh, that's that's episode two. Episode three is called Book Free yeah. Proverbs. And in this episode, Crockett Island begins experiencing a religious revival after Lisa's sudden recovery, which the residents believe to be a miracle, of course. Uh, Lisa visits Joe and tells him of the hatred she has harboured towards him for causing her life-ruinous injury, only to forgive him eventually. A moved Joe decides to attend an AA session with Riley and Father Paul. Sheriff Hassan, whose Muslim faith puts him at odds with the town's Christian population, learns that his son Ali is studying the Bible. Later, he makes an unsuccessful attempt to get Bev to stop handing out Bibles to public school children at a town meeting. Father Paul collapses before Bev and the Scarboroughs and dies after coughing up blood, only to suddenly spring back to life. In a flashback taking place the night before his first sermon on the island, so this is a, this is a mm. big moment, Paul sits in a confession booth. He reveals the true story of Monsignor Pruitt. Near Jerusalem, Pruitt was caught in a sandstorm and discovered an ancient ruin where he was attacked by a winged, blood-sucking humanoid creature that then fed him its lifeblood. Pruitt awoke the next morning to discover he had regained his youth, revealing Father Paul's true identity as a revitalised Monsignor Pruitt. Paul slash Pruitt confesses that he believes the creature that attacked him is an angel, wrong, and its blood-healing properties constitute a divine gift that he intends to share. 
How um, how does that look like an angel? Because as the Bible that does not look like an angel. But they say repeatedly, as the Bible tells us, angels will appear monstrous to us, um, or something like that. There's there's some line that Bev Bev quotes repeatedly that like when you see an angel, it won't appear to you as like an, a divine being. It will be terrifying. It will terrify you. Um, uh, there's a there's a lot of very good memes from Midnight Mass of like pictures of the angel with the with the text over it saying clearly a vampire and then father paul saying is this an angel <laughs> clearly not no uh yeah i think this is the point where we start to realize that midnight mass is a vampire show yeah kind of yeah a hundred percent of course it is it's a vampire <laughs> is it a vampire though yes yes it is a vampire it drinks blood it can't go out during the day Okay, I guess, but I don't know. I what, think it's just, yeah. What do you think it is? I don't know what it is. It's just disgusting. <laughs> it's a it's, it, 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 it's a vampire. Okay. Yeah. And vampire. when you when you drink its blood, you turn into one. Yeah, it's a vampire. Okay, it's very a much so. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Um. <laughs> So this 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 is the episode where like after the initial setup and stuff, yeah, it kind of it starts to start playing its hand and start to reveal what's going on. And particularly like, what did you think of those revelations about Father Paul? Had you guessed that already? Kind like I thought there was something weird, and he knew when when he when he talks everybody he 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 remembers instantly everybody's names and surname. Yeah. And he knows everybody's story. And he says, because Monsignor Pruitt told him. But come on. <laughs> Monsignor Pruitt could have told you a lot of stuff, but he was an aging man that was not in the right mind. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think Monsignor Pruitt told you this. So I had my suspicions, especially because people's were starting look- to look different, younger. Mm. and yeah and so of course it was but it was just like now i know yeah definitely uh moving away from the um supernatural stuff what do you think of the sequence is it in this episode i think it is where it's during like a sort of town council meeting where the sheriff sheriff hassan and bev have their conflict over the bible yeah um and she kind of is just a disgusting um yeah I don't yeah. know, xenophobic, Islamophobic, yeah. racist. Because um, yeah. he's really, like, clear about what his he's, faith is. He's so calm and, how, and centred, yeah. yeah. And how Islam accepts everybody's faith and is all about, you know, um, being together. And and she just shuts him down and she doesn't shut up. Yeah, that's the problem. Oh, she she's just so... Keeps she's such, such a great actor, though, like... But... <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah it's pretty and also like don't like it's a it's a pretty big thing in america particularly isn't it like the separation of church and state um yeah don't give out bibles to like that like no people like everyone should be annoyed at her for doing that that's really sort of massively inappropriate um, yeah, but miracles are happening. So everybody is pres- is is doing some of this blind faith crap. There's like, oh, because miracles are happening, we're becoming religious again properly. Like, nah, you haven't been to church in years. Come on, true. Don't don't be this crazy. You know, Sheriff Hassan prays every night. 
with his son. When was the last time you went to church? Well, better Bev every day. Well, Bev and all the other people. I mean, like no, the no, people no. that are not telling them. Yeah, agreed. You know, yeah. Um. So this is this. But this is... is the episode where yeah. I thought the Bev poison, but slowly poisoned the priest. Yes. So what? What's your discovery? So I found an article. Yeah. Uh. Uh. On it's called Screen Rant. Okay. And. Well, fine, but at least I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one that thinks it. But it no, says no, here, just screen, oh, well, screen, screen rant is a very terrible website. But okay, I'll they, find another one. No, 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 no. It's fine. They're a good source of information, but you might have to read through like five paragraphs oh, yeah, where I they have. just explain the plot of Midnight Mass. Yeah, it says while John had been ingesting the vampire's blood for some time, he hadn't actually died to complete his vampiric transformation until halfway through the series. Hmm. Blah 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 blah. Uh. So it says there is a possibility that she poisoned him. The realization that Bev was the one who originally killed John is also supported by her being the one to put the 1080 poison back in the church's closet after he dies. Remember, there's a scene mm. that after he dies, she then takes his poison and she puts it back. Mm. And apparently she's been trying to poison him like with because she makes him food and uh, she poisoned a dog. Um, tampering with his food, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I found a Reddit thread. Okay. Where the writer of the show, or the guy who that co-wrote it with Mike Flanagan, mm. um, gets quite annoyed at somebody insisting that she poisoned Father Paul. And mm. saying, um, hi, you're correct that Mike didn't write the entire show. The other writer credit on the episode is me. He did direct every episode, by the way. What he absolutely did not do was misinterpret his own material. And I am not misinterpreting my own writing when I state Bev didn't poison Father Paul. He dies from ingesting too much vampire blood over too long a time frame. Oh, okay. But... From the thing is, you're you're right you, that it, it that you can read it that she poisons him. I think. Yeah. But I think because if you there's a scene after he dies and because what my my first suspicion when he dies is because he's like he's dying like the dog, and mm. so I was like oh he's, it looks like I was like oh shit she's poisoned him and then after she puts away this this tin of poison yeah. And I'm not sure if it was because to prove that she poisoned a dog or is she poisoned also um, Father Paul? I think it's mainly to show that she poisoned the dog because I think that... Okay. The only, my only issue with the, the idea that she poisoned him is that it just undermines everything we know about her character and it also weakens the turn later when he goes directly against her and then she turns on him. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And also, having him die due to ingesting too much vampire blood is like a should be a warning to him that maybe this is not the maybe path. yeah 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 I don't know that's just a thing that I thought that she she kind of knew that she could not he could not die and so she wanted to see if there was a miracle I don't know maybe but, it's maybe yeah it's in, yeah I mean. Everyone can interpret it their own way, can't they? It's not just down to the creators to mm. say how. So you don't think that she poisoned him? No. And the writer of the show doesn't think she poisoned him? No. 
But you... So it's just hearsay. Yes. But what do you think? I don't know. I like Bev is just a terrible person. Yes, yeah, I mean she and is terrible. Like whatever she has done, poisoned him, not poisoned him. She is just the worst. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah, fair play. Um. Well, let's call it there. That's been our first part of our midnight mass uh, review. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, please do come back next week for the discussion of the final four episodes where things really do get pretty wild. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the 72nd episode with us. Please do come back next time. And uh, Alex, if you had to pick one thing from your Culture Catch-Up this week to recommend to people, what would it be? Uh, I would uh, recommend the book breasts and eggs by Miyako Kawakami lovely and I would recommend the film everything everywhere all at once which people should definitely go and watch um if they haven't done so yet it's absolutely a masterpiece um yeah good stuff okay so join us next week for part two love you love you love you oh and also um you can find shush you can find the uh you can find um information about everything we've discussed in culture catch-up and my tube uh, in the show notes to this and every episode along with links to all of our social media channels uh, please do follow us and join us there particularly on instagram where we're most active and you can see loads of great artwork that alex has done to support our episodes and um we will join you you, oh, you will you will join us again next time <laughs> thank you love you thank you bye bye